Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during S.N. Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from S.N. Goenka's talks and questions and answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by S.N. Goenka. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation as taught by S. Goenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Friends, we have all assembled here this evening to understand what is Vipassana and how does it help us in our day-to-day life. Vipassana is a process, process of self-realization, process of truth-realization. Realization of the truths pertaining to oneself, within oneself, by oneself, at the experiential level. All the sages and the saints and the seers of the past have been advising us, know thyself, know thyself. How to know myself? I know that I am Goinka, S and Goinka, so what? How does it help? Know what they meant was, at the experiential level, what you call I, I, mind, mind, this physical structure, corporeal structure, to which one keeps on saying I, mind, I, mind, so much of identification with this physical structure, and so also the mental structure, I, mind, I, mind identification with this mental structure. An enormous amount of attachment towards this I, an imaginary I, so much of attachment. When one finds that this ego is hurt due to any outside reason, one feels so miserable. So understand. What is this I? What is this mind? Understand not merely at the intellectual level, not by accepting something at the emotional or devotional level, at the actual level. Experiencing it within the framework of the body, then it becomes clearer and clearer the truth about suffering, clearer and clearer, 
the real cause of this suffering and clearer and clearer how to eradicate that cause of suffering and come out of suffering all by self observation within the framework of the body at the apparent level one can understand very well why i feel miserable after one takes birth one come across this sickness or that sickness every sickness is a misery one understands that as one grows grows the body starts getting deteriorated getting decaying getting old one feels miserable sooner or later one faces the death one feels miserable and during the time of the whole life one keeps on getting associated with undesirables undesirable person undesirable incident undesirable situation one becomes miserable one gets disassociated with desirables desirable person desirable incident desirable situation one becomes miserable one craves for something craves to get something and one cannot get there are some obstacles one becomes miserable all these causes of misery quite evident we can understand but the enlightened person 26 centuries back started investigating the real cause of misery these apparent causes are yes they are there but what is the real cause incidents pleasant or unpleasant we come across outside but the misery starts inside so what is happening inside that is more important and he started investigating the truth truth about this physical structure the corporeal structure the truth about the mental structure the interaction constant interaction going on between the two the mind keeps on influencing the body the body keeps on influencing the mind at a very deep level one does not know what is happening at the deeper level he found out a technique which was called vipassana vipassana is to observe although now people call it by the name of meditation it is not meditation it's observation self observation and self correction you observe what has gone wrong inside why i have become miserable the apparent cause is there but there must be something inside also 
And as you start observing the truth within yourself, it becomes clearer and clearer. The real cause of the misery is inside. Something has happened outside, very unpleasant. Or something pleasant could not happen due to some obstacle or the other. This is the apparent cause of my becoming miserable. But when we go deep inside, we find that coming in contact with the truth outside, there is a sensation in the body. This sensation is either pleasant or unpleasant. When a pleasant sensation arises, one starts reacting with craving, craving, clinging, clinging. When unpleasant sensation arises, one starts reacting with aversion, hatred, aversion, hatred, craving and aversion. Whenever they arise, one notices, I lost the balance of my mind. I lost the peace of my mind. I lost the harmony of my mind. Look, misery, misery. The apparent cause is there. But what is happening inside? Coming in contact with the outside object, sensations that arise, if the outside object is given valuation, ah, very good, there's a pleasant sensation. Outside object, evaluation is given, very bad. Unpleasant sensation arises. And then the reaction starts, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. One loses the balance of the mind. This missing link was discovered by this great super scientist of the field of spirituality, the Buddha, the enlightened one. It is taken very wrongly that he founded a religion nothing doing. He never founded any religion. He discovered certain truths and discovering those truths he made himself fully liberated from misery and then distributed this technique of self-observation, self-correction to come out all kinds of miseries of the life. Throughout the life, ups and downs, pleasant, unpleasant, all sorts of vicissitudes are bound to come. It is impossible for anyone, however powerful this person may be, impossible that this person will come across only desirables in the life. Impossible. Desirables, undesirables, desirable, undesirable, keep on coming. And out of ignorance, you keep on reacting, reacting with craving, reacting with aversion, you lose the balance of your mind. You lose the peace of your mind. You lose the harmony of your mind. You are a miserable person. How to come out of it? And this wonderful process of vipassana was discovered, which helped him to come out of all the miseries, and then he started distributing it throughout his life. Observe the truth about yourself. Observe the real cause of misery within yourself and eradicate that 
real cause of misery and you are liberated from misery. How it is practiced? It was working all right for about 500 years in the country of origin, in India. After that, due to some reason or the other, it got lost. It went to many neighboring countries. There also, after a few centuries, it got lost. One neighboring country, Myanmar, Burma, maintained this technique in its pristine purity for over 2,000 years, from teacher to pupil, from teacher to pupil, from generation to generation, in its pristine purity. Very few people, rest of them, were all involved in rites, rituals, different kinds of religious ceremonies, celebrations. Good, nothing wrong. But they forgot this wonderful technique. And now, this technique has come out of this country. Last 33 years, it worked in India and around the world and is giving the same result as it used to give at the time of Buddha or 500 years after Buddha. What is the technique? In short, let us understand. This is actually a very deep surgical operation of the mind. You have to go to the depth of the mind, the root level of the mind, where the defilements arise, where the defilements keep on multiplying, multiplying, and they start overpowering you. And you react, react in a way which makes you miserable. So one has to go to the depth where the defilements arise, at the root level of the mind. It's a very serious job. If you want to calm down your mind at the surface level, if you want to purify your mind at the surface level, if you want to liberate your mind from all the defilements at the surface level, there are many techniques. Many techniques were prevailing at the time of Buddha and even after Buddha, even today. And you find mind is becoming calm, calm, more and more tranquil, 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 purer and purer. One feels, look, I am free from defilements. There's no craving, there's no aversion, there's no anger, no hatred, no ill will, no ego, no fear. I'm liberated. But actually, it is only the surface level of the mind which gets liberated. Good. Those who can't do even this remain all the time miserable, miserable. At least some portion of the mind gets liberated from misery because it gets liberated from defilement. But this enlightened person, I call him a super scientist of the field of spirituality. He went on investigating the truth, investigating the truth at the deepest level. And he realized that whenever we purify our mind, we calm our mind at the surface level, this does not mean that the entire mental structure has become peaceful, the entire mental stru structure has become pure, 
No. Only surface level, at times slightly deeper level. At the root level, constantly, constantly there is some sensation or the other throughout the body. Law of nature is such. Due to this reason or that reason, some physical sensation on the body, pleasant, unpleasant, pleasant, unpleasant, and at the depth of the mind, one keeps on reacting with craving, aversion, craving, aversion. This habit pattern becomes stronger and stronger. And by mind, making the mind pure and calm and tranquil at the surface level, we are not changing this habit pattern at the root level. So although at the surface level one feels, I am now free from my misery, free from my defilements, but one does not know when there will be a volcanic eruption from the depth of the mind. And again you are the same person. Again misery is there, defilement is there. So the enlightened person said, work at the root level. You have a very poisonous tree grown in your compound, so poisonous, you don't like it. You cut it off. Yes, you cut it off because you don't like it. It is harmful. But the roots are still there. Another tree will sprout. More trees will sprout. You are not liberated. So work at the root level. And he discovered this wonderful technique, how to reach the root level of the mind. The constant contact of mind and matter and the constant sensations arising because of that and constant reaction taking place, that one is to experience and then only one can come out of this bad habit pattern. And the process was found. First important thing, the mind must be made very sharp very sensitive so that it can feel sensations throughout the body. It is quite easy to feel very gross, solidified, intensified, unpleasant sensations like pain, pressure, heaviness, very easy to feel. But these are not the only sensations that prevail in this physical structure. So many subtler sensations are there. When you go deeper, 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 one comes across so subtle sensation, very slight oscillation, oscillation. One must develop that faculty of the mind to feel different kinds of sensations and not to react. First important thing, that the mind should be able to feel all the different types of sensations within the framework of the body. So the technique starts to know thyself at the grossest level. What is the reality pertaining to yourself? Whenever someone decides to learn this technique, seriously, to learn this technique, one has to join a camp with congenial atmosphere and the experienced guide minimum for 10 days because three days are required to make the mind sharp and then you start feeling different sensations 
you start with very gross sensation and keep on working, 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 you come to very subtle sensations. And you train your mind not to react, just observe, just observe. First three days, very important. When you join a course, whenever you decide for 10 days, you are asked to sit down, sit comfortably in any posture. Any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch is a good posture for you. Not necessary lotus posture or half lotus posture. If someone can sit, go ahead, nothing wrong. Otherwise, any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch. Keep your back and your neck straight because this helps to keep the mind attentive. Keep your eyes gently closed. Keep your mouth gently closed. Now there is no physical activity, no vocal activity. Now see what reality, what reality is manifesting itself. Reality pertaining to yourself. That means reality pertaining to your mind matter phenomena. What reality? The first reality that you will experience is the breath coming in, the breath going out. This is real, no imagination. This is the truth. Truth pertaining to both mind and matter. Start feeling it, start observing it. Do nothing. Just observe. Just observe. Don't make it a breathing exercise. Don't try to control the breath. This will be wrong. There are techniques, say a technique of pranayam, where you control the breath, you discipline the breath. It has its own advantages. We don't condemn anything. But this is totally different. Here you develop the faculty, the faculty of the truth as it is, not as you would like it to be, as it is at this moment, and then from moment to moment, from moment to moment, as it is. So the breath as it is, if it is deep, it is deep. If it is shallow, it is shallow. If it passes through left nostril, left nostril, right nostril, right nostril, don't interfere with the natural flow of the breath. Just observe. That means just remain aware. Just remain aware. So easy. Like you're sitting at the bank of the river and the river is flowing. You do nothing for the flow of the river. It flows according to the nature and you are just observing. You're doing nothing. So easy. You keep your attention at the entrance of the nostrils, area above the nostril, above the upper lip, below the nostril. The flow of breath is there. You're just observing. So easy. And yet, when you will join a course, you will find so difficult, very difficult. You will hardly observe a couple of breaths and the mind is gone somewhere. And then you realize what? I was here to observe the breath. What happened? All right, start again. You start again. But within hardly a minute, again it is gone. Again it is gone. Many a times a new student, first day, 
feels very frustrated, very irritated, starts generating negativity, negative to, negativity towards oneself, negativity towards one's own mind. What sort of mind I am carrying? Such an easy job, do nothing, just observe, and yet you can't do that. The guide will say, no, don't react, don't generate negativity. Negativity towards yourself or towards anybody will only generate misery. Don't, don't react, just accept. You were observing the breath, mind wandered away, and you realized, oh, mind has wandered away. Accept the fact, at this moment, my mind has wandered away. All right, the breath is still there, and I start again, start again. Again the mind wanders, accept the reality and start again. Like this the first day, patiently, persistently, continuously, you keep on working, keep on working. Only a small area to work on and only one object, the breath as it is. Pure breath, bare breath, nothing should be added. No verbalization, no visualization, no imagination, no suggestions, auto-suggestion or outer-suggestion, no imposition of any philosophical belief, this belief or that belief, nothing, pure breath, breath as breath. You keep on observing, because you are observing the truth on a small area, as it is, the law of nature is such, the mind starts getting calmed down, calmed down. Not only calmed down, it becomes subtler and subtler, sharper and sharper, more and more sensitive. Because you are working with the breath, as the mind gets concentrated, even for a short period, mind gets concentrated, the breath naturally becomes Subtler and subtler, shorter and shorter. It becomes like a thin thread, thin thread coming out and taking you turn immediately. Coming out, taking you turn immediately. So thin, so short. And the mind has to keep on observing, observing this very subtle reality. So the mind also becomes subtler and subtler and subtler. At the end of three days, the mind is so subtle, so sharp, so sensitive, it starts experiencing again subtler realities, which one had never experienced before, subtler realities. Again pertaining to the mind and matter only, nothing else. When one was observing the breath, it was also pertaining to mind and matter. At the apparent level it looked, this is a function of the body. The lungs are working, therefore I breathe in or I breathe out, yes, true. But this is not the total truth. The breath is strongly related to the mind. The breath is strongly related to mental impurities. Not because your teacher says so, not because your scripture says so, not because Buddha said so. By your experience you will realize. As you are observing the breath, observing the breath, mind wanders away. Past, future, past, future. A thought arises and you react. 
you generate anger you generate aversion you generate craving any impurity you generate in the mind you will notice the breath has lost its normality it is no more normal it becomes slightly hard slightly fast and when that particular impurity has gone away again it becomes normal so it becomes so clear why this enlightened person asked us to observe breath mere breath bare breath to understand the impurities of the mind and the breath related to the impurity of the mind now at the end of 3 days one starts experiencing further subtler things throughout the body every moment throughout the body on every particle of the body there is some biochemical reaction or the other taking place some electromagnetic reaction taking place and they keep on manifesting themselves as this sensation or that sensation different types of physical sensations different types you start feeling different types of sensation on this small area maybe heat maybe perspiration maybe throbbing pulsing vibrating tingling which are there all the time but one never cared to train the mind to feel now within these 3 days one has trained the mind to feel whatever sensation manifest on this part of the body from the fourth day onwards you scan the whole body from the top of the head to the tips of the toes you keep on observing what sensation what sensation every part of the body has some sensation or the other every particle of the body some sensation or the other law of nature is such the sensation may be pleasant may be unpleasant may be neutral just observe do nothing mere observation observation objectively without identifying yourself with these sensations i mind nothing doing sensation as sensation whatever it is and try to understand the nature of these sensations at the experiential level everything must be understood at the experiential level don't make it a intellectual game don't make it a emotional or emotional game at the actual level you will notice every sensation gross or subtle unpleasant or pleasant every sensation has the same characteristic arising passing away arising passing away it is not eternal it doesn't stay forever a very gross solidified intensified unpleasant sensation arises seems to stay for some time but sooner or later passes away it passes away it arises to pass away it arises to pass away and as you keep on observing the reality reality again no imagination allowed reality that you experience pertaining to mind matter phenomena these sensations mind becomes still subtler and subtler sharper and sharper and as you keep on observing the law of nature is such all the solidity of the body will start getting divided dissected disintegrated dissolved dissolved 
the solidity of the body is the apparent truth. It is true. But the enlightened one, see 26 centuries back, without the aid of any scientific instrument or apparatus, with only his insight, by his experience, came to the truth that the material structure is made of tiny little particles. Today we call atom. He gave the name Kalapa, tiniest particle of the material world. And that also is not solid. Not solid. It keeps on arising, passing, arising, passing. Wavelet, wavelet, wavelet. Today's scientist, more than a century ago, came to this truth. The entire material world, no solidity at all, mere wavelets, wavelets, wavelets. That is the instrument says so. The scientific apparatus says so. Your laboratory says so. Here with experience one understands. The entire material structure is subatomic particles, rising, passing, rising, passing. Even if you experience that, what do you gain? This is not just to quench your curiosity about your physical structure or mental structure. No. This has got so much to do with your misery. When you come to that stage where the entire structure is mere vibration, mere vibration, mere vibration, then you start realizing how misery starts, how it multiplies, and how it can be eradicated. The entire interaction of mind and matter becomes so clear at the experiential level. The entire physical structure, wavelet, wavelet, wavelet. Entire mental structure, the mind as well as mental contents. Mental contents initially come as very solidified. A emotion comes, very solidified. You keep on observing, observing, dividing, dissecting, disintegrating, dissolved. So entire mental structure, entire physical structure, mere vibration, mere vibration. You come in contact with your sense doors, eyes, or ears, or nose, or tongue, or the body, or the mind. These are the only six sense doors because of which the world is world for us. Otherwise, the world has got no existence for us. No existence. Someone who is deaf from the birth, for this person, there is no world of sound. There is no world of sound. You can't understand what sound is. Someone blind from the birth, for this person, there is no, there is no world of, of light, color, etc. So when outside objects come in contact with this sense door, a shape, a form, a color, a light comes in contact with the eye sense door, a sound comes in contact with the ear sense door, and Smell comes in contact with the nose sense door. A taste comes in contact with the tongue sense door. Something tangible comes in contact with the body sense door. And a thought or an emotion comes in contact with the mind sense door. What happens? A good Vipassana meditator, as one develops on the path, the attention has gone to the ear sense door. Vibration, vibration, eye sense door. Vibration, no sense door, tongue sense door, body sense door, mind sense door, mere vibration, vibration, vibration. 
something has come in contact with the sense door. A sound has come in contact with the ear sense door. One realizes the sound that has come is also nothing but vibration. Vibration. And as soon as it has come in contact with the ear sense door, there's a sensation throughout the body. A neutral sensation, a flow of neutral vibration throughout the body. Now what happens? One part of the mind will raise its head. Hey, something is happening. Something has happened at the ear sense door. Or something has happened at the eye sense door, nose sense door, tongue sense door, body sense door, mind sense door. Something has happened. The job of this part of the mind is simply to cognize something has happened. Immediately, second part of the mind will raise its head. What happened? With all the memory of the past, with all the experience of the past, this part of the mind will say, this is sound, and these are words. What words? Words of insult, words of praise, and gives evaluation. Words of insult, very bad. Words of praise, ah, wonderful, very good. The second part has done its job. Immediately, the sensation which was very neutral, once the valuation is given, abuse, insult, very bad. One notices the flow of vibration changes into very unpleasant sensations. Throughout the body, there's a flow of very unpleasant vibrations. Valuation is given, praise, ah, wonderful, very pleasant. And there's a flow of very pleasant sensation throughout the body. The neutral sensation has changed. So third part of the mind starts feeling this sensation. Then immediately the fourth one starts working. Insult, very bad sensation. And it reacts, aversion, aversion, hatred, I don't like it, I don't like it. Praise, pleasant sensation, ah, wonderful, I like it, craving, clinging, craving. All this happens so quickly and to reach the stage where to differentiate all that takes time. Maybe one ten day or maybe more, more ten days, but you come to the stage where you start realizing where you started reacting. At the apparent level it looks that you are reacting to the outside object. The words, you are reacting to these words. These are the words of insult, so you are reacting. Somebody is insulting me, so I generate anger. Or these are words of praise. So I'm reacting, wonderful, I like praise, so I'm reacting with craving. Apparent truth, the actual truth is, you are reacting to the sensations on the body. Pleasant sensation, you react with craving. Unpleasant sensation, you react with aversion. A great discovery was made by this great scientist. Why? Why become miserable? And whenever you react with craving or with aversion, you lose the balance of your mind. You lose the peace of your mind. You lose the harmony of your mind. You are a miserable person. One starts understanding what I am doing. Look, I am harming myself. I am harming myself. Whenever, whenever I generate any impurity, any negativity, I am the first victim of my negativity. I make myself miserable. If one does not know what is happening within oneself, Every time one generates negativity, one keeps on justifying. 
so-and-so insulted me. Naturally, I generated anger to retaliate, to revenge, to teach him a lesson. So I generated anger. But what you are doing? Before harming this person, you started harming yourself. This reality, one cannot understand merely at the intellectual level. Even one understands, one cannot come out of it. Now at the actual level, it becomes so clear that I can't harm anybody. I can't harm anybody by generating an unwholesome action, vocal or physical, without first harming myself. I can't harm anybody. This is the reality, not imagination, not some dogma, not some blind faith, blind belief. A scientific truth is there. One has to live a moral life. Every religion, every religion worth its names, teaches morality. Live a moral life. What is moral life? Don't perform any action, vocal or physical, which will harm others, which will hurt others, which will disturb the peace and harmony of others. This is the teaching of every religion. This enlightened person went to the depth. You don't harm others. Good. You are living in the society. Human being is a social being. You have to live with others. If you keep on disturbing the peace and harmony of the society, how can you live in peace and harmony? Don't disturb others. Don't harm others. Good teaching. But this enlightened person found out you are not obliging the society by not harming them. You are obliging yourself. Because before harming others, you start harming yourself. This becomes clearer and clearer. I kill somebody. How can I kill anybody without generating enormous anger, hatred, ill will, animosity? Then only I kill somebody. And as soon as I generate anger, hatred, ill will, animosity, and if I am a good meditator, vipassana observer, I can find there's a burning sensation. The whole body, there's a burning sensation. Palpitation increases. Tension gets built up. Miserable. I become a miserable person. What I am doing? I've started harming myself. Before harming anybody, I've started harming myself. Before killing somebody, I've started killing my own peace and harmony. At the experiential level, it becomes clearer and clearer. I steal something which does not belong to me. I can't steal anything unless I generate greed in my mind. And a good meditator going to that depth finds that as soon as I generate greed, the balance of mind is lost. The peace of mind is lost. The harmony of the mind is lost. I become a miserable person. One commits sexual misconduct. Rape, adultery, cannot do that unless generating tremendous amount of lust or passion. Again, observing the reality, one has lost the peace of mind, the harmony of the mind, one has lost the balance of the mind, has become a miserable person. Any action, vocal or physical, even with the vocal action, I speak lies to deceive others, or I speak harsh words to harm others, I will notice. I lost the balance of my mind. I lost the peace of my mind. 
more and more you experience this, you come out of this mad habit of harming others. Merely giving sermons, oh people of the world, you should not kill, you should not steal, you should not have sexual misconduct, you don't try to deceive others, you don't use harsh words to hurt others, good. We may accept that and try to correct ourselves at the surface level of the mind. Deep inside, the reaction starts and the reaction becomes so strong, so strong, it manifests itself as an unwholesome vocal action, unwholesome physical action. We have started harming ourselves, we have started harming our others. All this teaching is to experience the truth, how you become miserable and how you make others miserable. Every time one loses the peace of the mind, one will notice that I have lost the purity of the mind. I have generated some defilement or the other in my mind and I am miserable. And when I have generated any defilement, anger or hatred or anything, not only I am miserable, I keep on throwing this misery on others. When I generate anger, I am so miserable, the entire atmosphere around will get charged, charged with this misery, so much of tension. At that time, anybody comes in contact with me, feels very miserable, very miserable. What I have been doing all my life, I kept on making myself miserable, kept on making others miserable. Was that proper way of living? One starts realizing, not proper way of living. If I become free from these negativities, the mind is not only calm and tranquil, but pure. A pure mind, by nature, starts generating love, compassion, goodwill. And again, the law of nature is such. When you generate love, compassion, goodwill, you start feeling so much of peace, so much of harmony. You feel peace and harmony, and you will notice the entire atmosphere around you gets charged with this peace, harmony, peace, harmony. Anybody who comes in contact with you at that time starts feeling peace and harmony. That is the proper way of life. But if you just keep on understanding it at the intellectual level, we can't change the habit pattern at the deep level. Sensations are always there. Something unpleasant has happened outside, we get unpleasant sensation. Something pleasant has happened outside, we get pleasant sensation. And we keep on reacting, aversion, craving, aversion, craving, become miserable, make others miserable. So it is an art of living. How to live peacefully and harmoniously within, and how to generate nothing but peace and harmony for the atmosphere outside, so that others can also live in peace and in harmony. One has to reach the stage to realize the truth that I am not reacting to the outside object. All the sensual objects outside, one feels I am reacting, but this is only apparent truth. The real truth, the deeper truth is, coming in contact with the outside object, there is a sensation. According to the valuation that I have given to the object, pleasant, unpleasant, pleasant, unpleasant, then only the reaction starts, reaction of craving or aversion. If I can't go to the depth where I can feel these sensations, and change my habit pattern of not to react to these sensations, I can't come out of misery. It's only a temporary thing. For some time, the surface of the mind is kept quiet, 
calm, tranquil, pure. I'm quite happy. Look, there is no reaction. How long? Deep inside the process of craving, aversion, craving, aversion, constantly going on. The law of nature is such, every moment there is some sensation or, or the other in the body, due to this reason or that reason, every moment, whether one is asleep or awakened, sitting or standing, walking or lying down, eating or drinking, every position, every posture, every moment, there is some sensation or the other on the body. And every moment, the deepest level of the mind keeps on reacting to it, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. This habit pattern has become so strong. This habit pattern of generating misery for yourself has become so strong. How to come out of it? Unless you go to the root level, where the misery originates and keeps on multiplying and keeps on overpowering you, go to that, go to that level, go to that truth. For that, these ten days are very important. First three days, just to sharp the mind. Sharpen, sharpen, sharpen. Make it more sensitive, more sensitive. And rest of the days, start feeling different sensations. Initially, on the fourth day or fifth day, you get very gross, solidified sensations, pain, etc. But as you keep on observing equanimously, equanimously, maintaining balance of your mind, not reacting, not all the time you will become equanimous because of the old habit. You will keep on reacting, but few moments you will get when you are equanimous. Again you react, few moments you get. These few moments will turn into few seconds. Few seconds will turn into few minutes, and you will find the habit pattern is changing. Habit pattern is changing. You are coming out of your misery at the root level. This was a great discovery of this great scientist, 26 centuries back. It worked in those days. Very hard criminals, like one person, a big terrorist, Angulimal, his name. He had killed 999 persons. And not like a blast where so many people can die. Killing each person. Anybody, he was living in a jungle, anybody passes through that route, he will kill. He has gone so mad, killing, killing, killing. And he was looking for the thousandth one. Fortunately, came in contact with this technique and working on it. Oh, look, I'm making myself miserable. I'm making others miserable. What I'm doing? The habit pattern started changing, changing. This very person became a saintly person throughout the life, kept on teaching this technique to others, teaching this technique to others. So many people got changed in those days. A great emperor, Ashoka, a terror. He was called Chanda Ashoka. Ashoka the terror. Such a terrible person. Just because of his passion, because of his craving, I must increase my kingdom, my empire. So attacking the neighbors, attacking the neighbor, killing thousands of people. Suddenly realized what I'm doing. I'm not only harming others, I'm also harming myself. So he goes to a meditation teacher, to a Vipassana teacher. 300 days, he meditates, comes out a totally changed person. Ashoka, the compassionate. Ashoka, the terror, changed into Ashoka, the, the compassionate. Throughout his reign, there was no riot. There were so many different sects those days also. Now, as we have these riots, communal riots, 
between these people of this religion and that religion. Nothing, no such thing happened. No invasion from outside, peace all around. And this technique he exported, he sent to different countries, and they were, there was peace all around. It has worked in those days, it is working even now. People are coming out of their misery by changing the habit pattern, not merely at the surface level, at the deepest level, at the root level. But one has to spare some time to learn this technique. Mere listening, listening it looks very good at the intellectual level. It doesn't help. Intellectual level is again the surface level of the mind. Deep inside we are the same person. One has to go to the depth for which one has to spare ten days of their life. Make a deep operation of your mind. Go to the root level and start changing your habit pattern at the root level and you find you are a changed person. Changed person. The whole life becomes good for you and good for others. You start living a life full of peace and harmony within and you generate nothing but peace and harmony for the atmosphere outside so that others can also live in peace and harmony. All of you who have found about an hour or more to listen to this talk of Vipassana, understanding it at the intellectual level, you may find time of ten days to experience it, to learn it, to apply in life, so that the whole life pattern changes. You live a happy life, harmonious life, good for you and good for others. May all of you enjoy real peace in life, real happiness, real harmony, real harmony. Your courses require hard work and take 10 days. Is there a shortcut? <laughs> Bargaining. I was also born and brought up in a business house. Half of my present life I lived in business. So I know all business people have the habit of bargaining, bargaining. When I went to my teacher, I said, 10 days? Oh, impossible for me. I am such a busy person. To spare 10 days, totally impossible. Understand, I'm an intelligent person. You give your technique, I'll work at home. Nothing doing. All right, I'll come for one day. You teach me, I practice in your presence. Nothing doing. 10 days is the minimum required. 100 years back, it took one and a half month to learn this technique. And in these fast days today, one and a half month who will spare? So they reduced it, reduced it, come to ten days, less than that, one does not get anything. One has to sharpen the mind. Otherwise, again, you are working at the surface level only. So don't bargain. Sharpen your mind, feel all kinds of sensations, and train the mind not to react to these sensations. And that will give you the good result. You talk so much about suffering and mental defilements, isn't your message pessimistic? How pessimistic? This is the most optimistic message. Misery is there, but there is a way to come out of misery. All the optimism is there. If somebody says there is misery, 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 no way to come out of it, you have to suffer misery the whole life, then yes, pessimistic. But here the message is you can come out of it, whatever the misery may be. 
there is a way to come out of all the miseries, most optimistic message. क्या गुरु नानक देव जी की शिक्षा विपश्चना से मेल खाती है बिल्कुल मेल खाती है जब उनकी वाणी में से गुजरते हैं और विपश्चना करते हैं तो देखते हैं कि एक एक बोल उनका कितना स्पष्ट है केवल सच्चाई केवल सच्चाई आदि सच जुगादि सच है भी सच नानक हो से भी सच सच्चाई से शुरू करो और आगे बढ़ते बढ़ते परम सत्य तक पहुंच जाओगे किम सच हो भी हर कदम सच्चाई के साथ द ट्रूथ दैट यू एक्सपीरियंस द ट्रूथ दैट यू एक्सपीरियंस यू कम अक्रॉस वेरी ग्रॉस ट्रूथ इन इनिशियली बट देन सटलर 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 सटलस ट्रूथ पर्टेनिंग टू द मैटर सटलस ट्रूथ पर्टेनिंग टू द माइंड एंड मेंटल कंटेंट्स एंड देन स्टेज कम्स यू ट्रांसेंड दिस माइंड एंड मैटर एंड यू कम अक्रॉस द अल्टीमेट ट्रूथ विच कैनॉट बी डिस्क्राइब्ड इन वर्ड्स दैट हैज टू बी एक्सपीरियंसड सो गुरु नानक्स टीचिंग is in line with vipassana because the technique was lost that is why we don't understand once we practice this technique it will become so clear that the teaching of nanak and all the gurus is for vipassana observe yourself know yourself and come out of your misery when cover as so many people from india and china one buddha's country and the other traditionally buddhist what is your advice to these expatriates in canada practice vipassana <laughs> become a real follower of buddha if you just keep on praising buddha oh, buddha wonderful buddha was so good buddha was... what do you get of course you have devotion towards buddha perfectly all right but then you are sick a physician is there to help you to come out of your sickness and you keep on praying that that physician oh wonderful physician wonderful physician you don't take the medicine how will you come out of your illness so practice the teaching of buddha at the practical level not merely at the intellectual level or devotional level and this is the best thing one has to do and you can give a good example to people of this country and the whole world that the teaching of the enlightened one is not only for buddhists he never taught anything for buddhist he taught for the whole world he never taught buddhism he never made anybody a buddhist he taught a way of life dhamma a way of life and those who followed they were called dhammiko dharmic people who are following according to the law of nature law of nature is such if you break the law the law wants keep your mind pure if you break the law you will be punished then and there you will become miserable if you follow the law keep your mind pure you are rewarded then and there you feel so much of peace and harmony so follow the law of the nature and that is the teaching of the enlightened one if vipassana was lost to most of the world 500 years after the buddha died why did it lay dormant so so long until now because some people in myanmar had taken a vow that we won't allow it to die majority of the people have lost it we will maintain its purity very few people from teacher to pupil from teacher to people they maintained because there was a prediction that 2500 years after buddha passes away this wonderful technique in its pure form will come back from the country of myanmar to the country of origin it will be accepted by the people and then it will 
around the world, everywhere, and people will accept it. So for 2,500 years, they wanted to wait for that and maintain its purity, maintain its purity, and it has worked now. Many prophets have said, the end of the world or a cleansing of the earth is coming. Do you believe this is true? Why or why not? The cleansing of the earth. We are responsible for spoiling the purity of the earth. We are generating so much of pollution. We talk of so much about this chemical pollution. Visibilities. It is so harmful. But what about the mental pollution? Everyone generates negativity, negativity. Entire atmosphere gets polluted. We are responsible for that. And we are responsible to purify this atmosphere, get it relieved from this pollution, change the habit pattern of the mind, and the earth will become free from all the miseries. How can I practice dharma and yet held on my hopes and aspirations and make the world a better place? You have hopes, you have aspiration, nothing wrong. But to attain your hopes, your aspiration, if you keep on generating impurity in your mind, you are far away from it. You are losing the peace of your mind, harmony of your mind. So with the peace of the mind, maintaining perfect balance of the mind, do whatever is necessary in the human life, good for you and good for others also. Do you believe in reincarnation? I am not interested in these beliefs. Beliefs are always blind beliefs. Why believe? Experience it. See after death what happens. Do you get reincarnated or not? <laughs> then only accept it. Will there be another Ashoka? Certainly. The technique, the teaching spreads if a state takes that responsibility. This is what happened in those days, 200 years after Buddha. This person, terror, such a big terrorist, when he realized, and when he took this vipassana and changed a saintly person, then it, he thought it is my duty. All my subjects are my children, and they are all suffering. So he started spreading this technique. He trained number of teachers, and throughout the country, it was a vast country at that time, including Afghanistan, up to Bengal, North India to South India, such a big population. And he writes in one of the rock addicts, all people in my country are living so peacefully, living a moral life, because of this particular technique that people are practicing. It happened in the past, it is bound to happen now. Some such person will realize sooner rather than later that there is a way by which larger number of people can practice it and become peaceful. And the state, leader of the state, the ruler of the state has great responsibility for that. And I am sure this is going to happen soon. My husband died and I feel so sad. How can Vipassana help me? If you are a good Vipassana meditator, then you will understand. The vibrations are always very strong. When you remember your husband who has died and you become sad, you are generating sad vibration. And this person, wherever this person is, gets in contact with the sad vibration, becomes so sad, so sad. 
your husband has gone away. By becoming sad, he won't come back. But you at least want this person to be happy, to be peaceful, wherever this person is. So send vibration of metta, love, compassion. May you be happy. Wherever you are, may you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you get liberated from all your miseries. These vibrations, when one touches these vibrations, one becomes so peaceful. One becomes so happy. So instead of generating sadness, generate metta, love, compassion, and that you cannot do unless you practice vipassana. Come out of your sadness and generate love and compassion. The Buddha taught eightfold path. Why neglect to share the rest of his teaching? Vipassana is eightfold path. Eightfold noble path is all included. We start with Sheila, one who comes to the course has to observe morality for all the ten days. Don't kill, don't steal, don't have sexual misconduct, don't speak lies or harsh words, don't take any intoxicants. That is Sheila. Control your mind, you are observing your breath and you are controlling your mind and purify your mind. This is what it is, Eightfold Noble Path. Vipassana is practical aspect of the Eightfold Noble Path. How can you be passionate about life but remain detached at the same time? Come to Vipassana and you will know how. It looks so difficult now because you don't know how to balance the mind at the deepest level. You try to force this balance at the surface level, that itself is difficult. And even if you have made your mind at the surface level balanced, still the unbalance is there at the depth level. You can't come out of it. This Vipassana is only for this purpose so that you can work at the root level and become really happy. If craving and aversion are to be avoided, what are they replaced with? They are replaced with? They are replaced with love, compassion, goodwill. Whenever mind, whenever mind is impure, it becomes more and more impure when you start generating craving, aversion, craving, aversion. And the habit pattern of so long of the past, you kept on generating craving, aversion. Again you generate craving, aversion, you are becoming more and more miserable. By this technique, this habit pattern changes and mind becomes purer and purer, free from craving, free from aversion. A pure mind by nature is full of love, full of compassion. You don't harm yourself, you don't harm others. So just eradicate the impurities in the mind and the love and compassion is a natural result. Your technique is personal, not my technique. Buddha's technique is personal. How it will have effect at a larger socio-political level? What is larger socio-political level? The whole society. We want the whole society to be very peaceful. Very peaceful. Free from all the miseries. But what is society made of? Society is made of individuals. We want peace in the world. But there is no peace in the mind of the individual. The individual all the time generating impurity and remains very miserable. So much of unhappiness is there. How can we have peace in the whole world? So individual's peace is ultimately needed to make the whole society peaceful. Does eating meat interfere with the practice of Vipassana meditation? During meditation period of 10 days, you are given healthy vegetarian food. After that, you are your own master. 
we don't say that you must eat this or that but as you progress on the path you will find that when you become very sensitive sensitive to these sensations and you have taken a non vegetarian food you will notice very unpleasant sensation in the body after all this non vegetarian food from what from the meat of a bird meat of a animal and this being whole life was generating craving aversion craving aversion a human being at least comes out of this to some extent this being is not possible so every fiber of this being is full of craving aversion craving aversion you got so much of craving aversion habit within yourself and you are giving a input of more craving and aversion you will start realizing it and you will start coming out of it but there is no pressure from the teacher that you must become a vegetarian people become vegetarian naturally <laughs> can you learn vipassana without doing any meditation before better not do any meditation before vipassana is not a meditation in meditation you got one object and you keep your mind concentrated on that object and then you get absorbed in that that is meditation that is samadhi here the object is constantly changing even the breath constantly changing sensation constantly changing so it is a process of observation awakening of yourself to realize what is happening within yourself and correcting yourself you observe what is happening and you observe also how it is harming you and you keep on correcting yourself to come out of the misery so if you start practicing anything else it may create difficulty so come with a clean slate and you will work better how do you continue your own meditation with such a busy schedule one has to continue i have to practice what i preach if i ask my students you must meditate every day i must also meditate every day and that is what i do i ask my students at least take one 10 day course every year and i take one not only 10 day course every year i take 30 day course 45 day course to strengthen the purity of my mind at what age and how can we introduce this technique to our children before birth the technique must be given to the children before birth a pregnant mother when she joins a course of 10 days she is not working for herself not working for herself alone she is working for the child also the wonderful vibration that is given to the child purity purity love compassion what nutrition the, the child gets and if you keep on generating anger hatred passion lust what information you are giving to the child what training you are giving to the child this child will be miserable the whole life so this is the proper time when you give good message to the child good nutrition to the child many pregnant mothers are coming to the courses with the intention that i want a dhamma baby i want a dhamma baby yes they get dhamma baby because they are giving so good nutrition to the child isn't peace possible without torturing your body why to torture the body that means you are generating misery for yourself by torturing yourself and you say this will relieve us from the misery no no just it's a mental exercise you keep on changing the habit pattern of the mind it's not a, not a body exercise so don't create any strain to your body work with the mind only when do you know you are enlightened 
I mean, do you keep practicing vipassana till your last breath? If one is enlightened, certainly one will keep on practicing vipassana to enjoy the peace and to give a good, good example to others. Look, enlightened and yet practicing vipassana. It's important to practice vipassana. Who are the teachers of 10-day residential course? Are they competent? They are competent. That is why they are, they are made teachers. Proper training is given. It takes years together to become efficient in this technique. And then one must have pure mind to generate love and compassion. One must have a feeling of selfless service without expecting anything in return. Then only one is given the training of a teacher. So don't be afraid. Any teacher who is giving this, these courses are well trained. Come to the courses and take advantage of the teaching. Can't, can't I still have fun in life if I learned Vipassana? <laughs> have fun, but with equanimity. Don't lose your equanimity and have fun. Nothing wrong in enjoying fun. What is the difference between Bhakti Yoga and Vipassana? Bhakti is to develop devotion and it becomes a wrong devotion. If the devotion is only to expect something, please give me this, oh God, oh Goddess, please give me this, please give me this, fulfill this desire, that desire, no. The devotion should be that you have, you understand that your deity, this God or Goddess has these qualities. If not good qualities, how will we God? Good qualities. So may I gain the strength to develop those very qualities myself. Devotion is wonderful. Bhakti is wonderful. It is for this purpose to develop the qualities of your deity. What can be said to those of us who dislike ourselves? Why dislike yourselves? You practice vipassana and you start liking everything. When the mind is peaceful and pure, you start liking. But there is no attachment. In a detached way, you are always happy. In every situation, you are happy inside and you make others happy. What is true love? True love is, there is no trace of passion, there is no trace of lust. Pure love is compassionate love. It's one-way traffic. You just give without expecting anything in return. If you love expecting something in return, then you are not loving this person, you are loving yourself because you want something. It's a business love then, commercial love. You give me and then I give you something. Not pure love. Pure love is one-way traffic. You just give without expecting anything in return. Just give. This is pure love. And this will automatically happen when the mind is pure. How is Vipassana meditation relevant in a world of increasing fascism and terrorism in the name of religion? Because these people do not know what real religion is. Every religion in the world, the quintessence of every religion is to live a moral life with a disciplined mind, pure mind, full of love, compassion, goodwill. Every religion has this essence. But there are outer, outer shell, every religion, outer shell, which is different. Rites, rituals, dogmas, beliefs, this philosophical belief, that philosophical belief, and they start quarreling on that. My belief is right, your belief is wrong, mine is life, because your attachment to your belief, and all this trouble starts. If you give importance to this inner quintessence, which is common to all the religions, 
all this problem will go away and vipassana helps that is why in vipassana people of every religion are participating there is no religion in the world no tradition in the world whose followers are not coming for 10 days vipassana courses even their leaders are coming up till now more than 2000 christian priests and nuns have participated and so many hindu sanyasis buddhist monks nuns jain monks nuns they are coming and everyone feels this is my religion because the quintessence of every religion is the same i remember the first missionary who came to the courses three of them one was a very elderly mother superior at the end of the course he says goinka you are teaching christianity in the name of buddha i am teaching dhamma the way of life christ also taught the same thing have a pure mind a pure heart full of love full of compassion but how to attain that here is a practice and people attain it large number of people are coming from different communities different religions different traditions does one need a guru to realize the self are you a guru <laughs> well if there is a guru who says come i will liberate you i will liberate you from all your misery then there is something wrong nobody can liberate us from our misery one has to work out one's own salvation but if someone says i am just a guide i have walked on this path i will show you the path you have to take every step on the path to come out of your misery then this person is not exploiting you otherwise there is every possibility every danger of you are getting exploited by the so called gurus how will vipassana affect someone who has had a psychic trauma it is for this purpose people having psychic trauma such a big impact on the mind sometime memory of some bad incident happened in the life such a big impact by this technique that impact will start coming on the surface with this sensation or that sensation you are observing 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 becomes weaker and weaker and passes away the memory will remain but the misery will go away so the technique is to come out of all sorts of traumas that one has faced in the life Oh, this will be the last one. This, this one, the last one. After that, I am liberated. Yeah. Others also liberated. Good. <laughs> Can one have a healthy sex life without getting confused with cravings and desire? Sex is for bio reproduction. Nothing wrong. But if you become a slave of the sex, then. sex with this person then that person then that person one becomes a sex maniac come out of that don't be that have a balanced mind if both husband and wife they are good vipassana meditator they will find their mind is becoming more and more disciplined they are not slaves of the sex even if they have sex they are not breaking their shila and slowly time will come when there will be no need for any sex and they live in remain so contented so happy real celibacy will come If one has commitments from another practice of Buddhism, can he still practice ten days of vipassana without compromising his commitments? What commitments? When you come to know the actual teaching of the Buddha, actual teaching of Buddha is four noble truths. This is suffering, and this is the deep-rooted cause of the suffering, and this is a way to eradicate and come out of suffering. How can you be committed to something which is not this? This is what Buddha taught: how to come out of suffering. 
He says, I am teaching only two things, suffering and the way to come out of suffering. And here Vipassana is to understand what is suffering and how to come out of suffering. You are not coming out of any kind of commitment you have made. You make good commitment as per the teaching of Buddha. At the third council, the great Buddhist monks said that learning the teaching of Buddha was as important as practicing meditation. Certainly, unless you practice, I don't call it meditation because the word meditation has uh, many different meanings. Observation. Unless you practice this observation, you can't understand where the real misery lies and what is the real cause of the misery at the depth. And you can't change the habit pattern at the deepest level. This was the great invention of Buddha, a great discovery of Buddha rather. And if we miss that discovery, then we are not real followers of Buddha. If somebody says, I am a follower of Buddha, one has to practice Vipassana to come out of all the miseries. Who finances the Vipassana movement? The students who come to the courses, nothing is charged for the teaching. From the Buddha's time, always the teaching should be free. If you start charging for the teaching, then it becomes a commercial commodity. And if you make dharma a commercial commodity, it loses its purity. There were no charges. Even these are residential courses, so no charges for boarding and lodging also. Then from where the money comes? It does not rain from the sky. These very people who take the course, at the end of the course, they find so much benefit I have got, so much of peace I have got, and I have got a path now. Walking on this, I will become more and more peaceful. May more and more people learn this technique and come out in misery. There is misery all around. So out of love and compassion for other miserable people, one gives donation so that more and more courses can be arranged. Such all the centers that are built are built by the donation of the grateful students with compassion, whatever donation that they have given. If Vipassana helped King Ashoka, why don't you invite leaders of Israel and Palestine to do Vipassana? By my invitation, who will come? No question of my giving invitation. The message goes. Slowly, in a few years' time, people will start understanding there exists a technique which can help. And the leaders of the society, they will understand. Good or bad, everything percolates on the top of the society and goes down. If the leaders of the society understand we are responsible for the peace of the society, we are responsible for the misery of the society, they will start practicing. They themselves will come out of all this misery that is now going on and it will start helping the public also. So either it is Israel or, or Palestine or it is India or Pakistan, anywhere. Terrorism is a great, great disaster for the humanity. And this can be relieved, this can be eradicated only by the technique. First it starts with the top people. Now number of people are coming from different religions. There are courses going on regularly in Israel. Regular 10-day courses are going on in Israel. And always, every course, there is a wait list. And similarly in the Middle East, in Iran, courses are going on. And there is a wait list. It has started. A time will come when people will start realizing, the leaders will start realizing that there is a way where we can also become Ashoka and help ourselves and help others. The time is coming. It will be soon possible. What is the location of the mind? 
that is what you will know. Coming to the course, you will find what is this mind, how it works, how it reacts, everything that will be quite possible for you to understand. Why is it wrong for a person to practice Vipassana to cure a disease such as cancer? No, if you join a course to help yourself to get cured for any physical disease, then all the time your attention will be on this disease. Am I getting cured? Am I getting cured? You won't practice. So come to cure your mind. Your mind is a sick mind, full of craving, aversion, defilements. Work for that. And as a byproduct, most of the psychosomatic diseases will automatically go away. You won't have to do anything. But purely physical diseases like cancer, there also you will find some relief. At least the mind will remain very healthy. And you are accepting the pain that you experience. And you are with equanimity, you are accepting it, accepting it, observing it. There have been many cases where somebody has died in cancer and the terminal stage of cancer is so painful. And these people who have died in cancer, good meditators, they won't take any sedative. They will keep on observing, observing, observing the pain and smilingly pass away. They don't cry. It's an art of dying. How to die peacefully in spite of pain. This is possible only when you learn art of living. Then art of dying will become automatically possible. How can I keep on giving pure love to a horrible person? A horrible person needs love. Horrible, miserable. What horrible? This person is generating so much of anger, hatred. And you know now that by generating anger, hatred, I become so miserable. This person is so miserable. Burning. Now this person is burning. I don't feel like throw some, throwing some petrol on this person. I feel like throwing some cold water on this person. He comes out of misery. So have generate love and compassion for horrible persons. They need it. What is there at the deepest level of the mind? Is it emptiness or satchit anand? Satchit anand, you start with that. You observe. You observe the truth that is sat. And you observe the mind, that is chit, and the anand, as much as impurity goes away, that much anand is there. And you reach a stage where there is nothing but peace, harmony, peace, harmony, happiness. And as you keep on observing the truth, subtler, subtler, you transcend the field of mind and matter. You transcend the field of entire sensorium. And the peace that you experience then, indescribable, experience it. And then you won't come to ask me questions like this. Be happy. Be all of you be happy. Enjoy peace. Enjoy harmony. Enjoy real happiness.